Hey, good morning, everyone. Have you ever wondered you know, where the word Christian came from? We're looking at the characteristics or godly characteristics that should be seen in a Christian's life. Well, I want to let you know that it's a name that uh, the apostles didn't come up with. It's a name uh, that, that the disciples uh, didn't come up with. It actually was a name given by outsiders to describe these wacky, crazy people who were followers of Jesus in the first century. In fact, the word was first used in the city of Antioch to describe the followers of Jesus, and it was really more of a derogatory description of these weird people that followed Jesus. The Greeks living in the city witnessed this group of people and how they lived. And what they witnessed about these Christians is that they were different. And we know the definition of Christian in our world today, you can get all kind of different definitions of what it truly means to be a Christian. But what they saw and what they witnessed were these lives that exemplified that of this teacher, Jesus, that they followed and they gave their life for. And so they called them Christians or those of the party of Christ. And what made them different was that they were taking on the very characteristics of Christ and what he taught. And what made this clear to them is that their lives were different and how they worked together in unity, how they came together, how they suffered together, how they gave to one another. Jesus said this about disciples, and he said this to his disciples in John thirteen thirty five. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples by how much Bible memory verses you know. That's important, right? But what did Jesus say? If, if you have love for one another, they will know something is different about you. My heart for you is that you will never stop growing. My heart for living word is that we will continue to grow in unity. That doesn't mean we're not going to have different opinions. We all have an opinion, right? That doesn't mean that we're not always going to see eye to eye. That doesn't just mean conformity and, and overlooking things that that, that we should look at are things that are wrong. But unity means how are we getting along together and walking in true love? And I believe that the core of all of this has to do with forgiveness. How are we as the church, are we different from the world? In fact, an early church father, Tertullian, said this about the early church. And what he did was he contrasted the unity of early Christians and the divisive culture in which they lived. And this is what Tertullian said. He said, look, look, say those who don't believe how Christians love one another. For those who don't believe hate one another and how the Christians are ready to die for each other. For those who don't believe are readier to cut one another's throats. But we Christians look upon ourselves as one body and formed as it were by one soul and being thus incorporated by love. The church stood out. And what stood out in the early church was this unity, not that they were perfect. 
And many of the epistles were written, written to churches on how to get along, how to work with one another, how to forgive one another. It's about relationships. Jesus cares about how you live your life. And I believe the way we grow is through relationships. Now, we can come to church and usually come to church on Sunday morning. You're all faced this way and you're looking at me. I call this face forward coming together, right? And that's okay. And we come together in corporate worship and we worship together. We consider the teaching of God's word. Hear what God's doing around the world. Have missionaries come through. All that's great. But I believe true growth comes face to face. When we're in small groups and we're face to face, And we're actually learning about each other, our struggles, praying for one another, helping each other grow. Because Jesus cares about how you live your life. And we must realize that our walk with Christ can never, ever be one that is alone, that is isolated. And I know for many of us, we want to protect our our lives or maybe protect our vulnerability because, because we don't want people getting too close because we're too afraid that maybe I'll be judged. Maybe if I share too much, someone's going to look down on me. Shame on us if that's the way we see Christianity. Because that's not the way it is supposed to be. And I believe that we grow the greatest through small groups. And see, it would be much easier that way to be isolated. But we would never grow. We would never grow. It would be easier if we didn't have to deal with difficult personalities, right? And how many of us know we are all difficult at times? You just are. Look at your neighbor and say, you're difficult at times, right? Let's just, right? Go ahead and do it. It's all right. No, I'm just teasing. See, my wife knows what a pain I am, and she has to live with me, right? Well, we are a pain at time. The way we grow is through relationships. It's working our faith out together. The way we grow is through relationships, There's a story of a woman in our church who was actually watching online for a year. She was watching online. And someone from our church saw her watch online and invited her to church. Say, hey, I know you. Our families know each other. Why don't you come to church and you can sit with me. I've been noticing you've been watching online. And when when she finally came, she came and she heard about our new small group uh, push that we had last, last year, last spring. And she heard about this rooted group, this 10-week experience, and she actually signed up for it and went through the whole 10 weeks with a group of other crazy Christians. And what she experienced helped her in her walk with the Lord. And then she went through membership and is now part of, part of our church. But what it helped her do was to grow deeper in her walk with God and with each other, and it changed everything about her life. Our desire for you is to help you keep taking steps forward in your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. And I believe as our church grows larger, we should grow smaller at the same time. Growing larger, but growing smaller through small groups. And we have another uh, rooted groups that are starting um, this fall, and we're very excited about it. In fact, Pastor Brandon will be uh, in the lobby if you want to sign up for that, uh, for the new fall push for Rooted. And what Rooted is, is basically it's just a 10-week experience where you'll get together with 10 or 12, 13, 14 other people, and you'll go through this experience together. And what you're going to learn there is about the seven rhythms of, of, of placing these seven rhythms within your life to help you consistently grow 
and your walk together. So you're going to go through a book together. Here's the thing that I love about Rooted. And some of you, you may be intimidated because you're like, man, what if I go to a small group and, and I'm kind of new in my walk with God. It's kind of intimidating. What if I say something that, uh, that I don't know or I'm embarrassed if I don't have the answer to? Listen, that's not what this group is. It's for everyone. It's for those who are new in their faith, and it's for you old, crusty Christians who've been Christians forever, right? I made Penny sign up for it. Penny's our greeter at the door, and uh, Penny's a young senior, right? She's young. And she goes, Pastor, made me sign up for it. See, it's for everybody. It's for everyone, because the experience is coming together and growing together, growing together. And we're going to learn how to, how to have daily devotions. What is prayer? What is repentance? What is sacrificial giving? What is serving? What, how to share your story of what Jesus did for you, your testimony? What is worship? How do we worship together? And you'll go through the book together and you'll learn to serve together and have a prayer experience together. And the people that have gone through, the, the 70, 80 people that went through in the spring, just God did some tremendous things in their lives. And we want you to experience that. There was a testimony of a, of a young uh, married couple that went through Rooted, and the husband was a little intimidated, intimidated by it. He just thought, well, it's another small group and blah, blah, blah. I wanted you to hear their testimony because I thought it was great in what God did personally in their life through Rooted, the 10-week experience. So go ahead and look up at the screens. I feel like um, a year ago, six months ago, we were really kind of walking individual spiritual journeys and that, you know, having a relationship with Jesus was important to me and I think it was important to Jeremy, but it really wasn't that important in our marriage. And so we both kind of recognized that that was a, a void that needed to be filled. So one of the first weekends that we attended Mariners, a couple got up and shared their story about Rooted, and I just thought, aha, that's the perfect opportunity for us to kind of get plugged in, get connected, meet people in the church, and kind of start to feel for whether or not this was a community that we wanted to be a part of. And um, so I signed us up for Rooted, and Jeremy was quite reluctant to go with me, but he showed up on the first day, and I think he even introduced himself and said, Hi, my name's Jeremy. My wife made me come here. You know, I just felt like it was going to be another, you know, small group or Bible study or something like that. And then when Shannon came home and told me that we were signed up and we were going to be starting in a couple weeks, um, I was uh, definitely not excited about it. Over the course of 10 weeks, um, I mean, it, it seems like sh- such a... A short amount of time but I really feel like I I personally changed a lot um, I I just I didn't feel like I was taking responsibility for you know as as being the head of the household I wasn't taking care of you know my responsibilities um, I wasn't taking part um, in, in church or having a relationship with God I mean, there were just so many things that I felt were going wrong in in my life and in our, in our relationship, and um, just to to kind of make a a U turn <laughs> in, in 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 such a short amount of time, I I felt completely different, to be honest, when I, when I came out of it. 
kind of seeing the change in Jeremy and seeing it change so quickly, I think took away some of that anxiety and kind of relieved some of the hesitancy that we had, we both had, I think, as far as going forward and starting our family. Today, we are continuing on with our life group. We are 15 weeks pregnant. We are serving on a monthly basis and looking for other opportunities to expand our service and uh, looking for other opportunities to bring our neighbors and our families and other friends um, to, to know God the way that we know him now. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. God is good. God is good. So you can, we're going to have a big kickoff on September 24th. See, see Pastor Brandon. We'll be having signs the next few weeks. You can go online to check out more about it. But um, I know that you'll be blessed. And we're really excited about these, these small groups and the Rooted Group and, and, and expanding our small groups, our Acts groups as, as a whole. And so we're very excited about that. It's about relationships. It's about relationships. It's about growing together in our relationship with the Lord. And there's something about just getting together in smaller groups of people. And, and what I've noticed, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about this because it's so good, but what I love about it is that these groups pray for each other. When they're struggling, they call. If there's a funeral, I remember doing a couple of funerals, and I saw the whole rooted group show up to that funeral to support that one person that was in their rooted group. If there's a wedding. There's a wedding here yesterday. Brandon was telling me, Brandon did the wedding and the couple that got married part, the, part of the Ruta group and, and a lot of people from the Ruta group showed up to that wedding. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So I'm going to shut up. I'm sorry. I'm going to preach a whole new sermon. That's not my sermon, but, 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 but I just want to encourage you because I see how it's impacted our church. It's made a difference in people's lives. So I'm very, very excited about it. It's about relationships and growing in that. How are we doing at our relationships? How are we doing? Do we walk away when things don't go well? Do we just give up? Do we just pick up our toys and, 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 and just go because it's too hard to deal with? How are we at reconciliation? How are we at giving grace? You see, the only way to show true love is to people who don't deserve it. And guess what? None of us deserve God's grace. And it's easy to love the lovable when someone agrees with you or, or, or shares your beliefs. Or do we leave a wake of destruction behind us? Are we working on healing relationships? And I'll be totally honest with you this morning. It's much easier to leave than it is to restore. Much easier to leave than it is to restore. And what we need to understand that at the heart of the gospel is restoration. At the heart of the gospel message of restoration, Jesus came to heal that which was broken. Our relationship with God was broken because of sin and rebellion against him. And Jesus comes to repair that by giving his life for us. So we're forgiven of our sins through Christ and restored to this right relationship with God. So the gospel message is truly about forgiveness. How are we doing in our relationships with forgiveness? Are we a people that forgive? That should be the mark of the church. That's how we grow in unity, by how we forgive one another. Listen, 
the reason why relationships dissolve or maybe people leave, and people leave for a different reason, that, that's okay. Some people just a new start or whatever. I, I get that. But if people leave the church because they're disgruntled, 99, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to just say 99.99% ivory soap for, remember that commercial, right? Ivory soap, the reason we leave is because there is an issue in a relationship. There was something that I didn't get way, my preference or whatever. I didn't get my way or this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I got, I got upset with somebody else and we didn't, we didn't work through it. We'd, we'd rather leave than do the hard work of trying to gain the integrity of unity within the church. That's our responsibility, church, to protect the unity for Jesus' sake. It's not about us. And my feelings all the time when I get hurt and I get offended. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going again. I had my espresso this morning. Right? That's the problem is we take offense to everything. Well, you didn't call him. You didn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then we get offended. And we don't look at the unity. Am I protecting the integrity of the unity for Jesus' sake? And am I forgoing my rights so that Christ is glorified? That's what our job is. That's how the church should look different. Grace and forgiveness go hand in hand. That doesn't mean we overlook offenses or things that are wrong or don't speak up. Of course we should do that. That's part of loving people, right? Is speaking truth into their life and in love. That's, that's part of it. We need to do that. See, in, in, in myself or in my strength, I struggle to show grace and offer forgiveness. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us because we can't do it. We can't, we can't obey God without the Holy Spirit's help. And we need our hearts to be transformed from the way of thinking of this world and what it tells you to do or say or be offended or hold grudges against people. Forgiveness matters. If I refuse to forgive and I say I'm a follower of Christ, there is an apparent disconnect with the gospel. So why do we need to forgive? What's the big deal, pastor? So what? It's something that happened in the past. Or what, why, do I, why do I need to do that? We know we need to forgive, but why is it so hard? And why are we so stingy? And I'm speaking to myself too here this morning. Why are we so stingy with our forgiveness? C.S. Lewis said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, right? It's a great idea until I've been offended, until someone's wronged me. The Apostle Paul gives us the answer. And it's interesting when when you read through many of the epistles of the Apostles, it has to do with how to get along and protect the unity of the church. Listen to just some of these writings in in, the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae. Listen to what Paul says. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, holding grudges for each other. What does he say? Forgiving each other, just as Christ just in Christ God forgave you. There's the key. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, see the gospel? There's the gospel, right? Just as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.2. It's my favorite verse in the New Testament, but I love this. I have to say to myself every day. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. See, what's the common thread in all these verses? Why should we forgive? Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. 
None of us deserve Christ's forgiveness. It's a gift of his grace that he can even forgive us of our sin and waywardness. If I forget that Christ first forgave me, I will be stingy with my forgiveness. I have to lay that down. Paul tells us to be patient and bear with one another. It means to bear with one another's idiosyncrasies. And believe me, every single one of us have our idiosyncrasies. We have our issues, don't we? Now, I'm going to be honest. I'll give you a couple of my issues, okay? And Kathleen will agree. So if you hear an amen from the front, it's Kathleen. But some of my issues, like, I just, I just go crazy when I see all the lights on in the house. So I'll be like upstairs. All the lights are on upstairs. I go, is anybody up there? No. I go, okay, why are every single light on upstairs? Well, I may go back up there. When? Tomorrow or next day? Right? What's going on? I mean, anybody like me? It's, am I the only one? Please, someone help me. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'm not the only one. This one really gets me. I have to have a clean car. I, I, cannot, I cannot sit in a dirty car. So if your car is dirty, I'm grossing out right now. Because Why do I want to sit in my own filth? I, no, I'm just teasing. I mean, why, I, I have to have a clean car. I just have to. And Kathleen knows this. She, I have to have a clean. How many of you just have to have a clean car? Anybody else like me? How many of your car is just filthy? You're just good. You admitted it. That's okay. You can go home and clean it. Kathleen, myself, and Lily, we, we, we took Lily to New York City for her birthday for a couple of days, had a great time, drove down there, came back, and I had to clean the car, and I look in the back seat, I'm like, what went on back here? Toenail clippings, crumbs, I think there was a dead animal back there, I'm like, what, what is going on? So I, I, that's, I have many more issues that we could go on, all, go on and on and on. We all have our issues, don't we? And when we get together as the family of God, we're all going to have our opinions on how things should go, how things should not go, right? We all have these preferences that we have. But what Paul tells us is we're to bear bear with one another and forgive one another. If we're not patient or long-suffering, we will struggle to forgive. And what we learned a couple weeks ago is patience means to be long-tempered. Metals lose their composure when they're under extreme heat. They will run or become a liquid, except for a few metals, mercury being one of them. But here's what patience means when we're dealing with each other and protecting the integrity of unity within the church. Patience means having the ability to bear injury without a meltdown or getting angry or picking up my toys and storming out the back door, right? See, what it means is it's the ability to bear injury without a meltdown or getting angry. It's allowing the treatment of people or their issues not to allow you to melt down or allow bitterness to become part of your life or anger. See, a forgiving spirit shields you from bitterness and having a meltdown of not getting your own way. You might think that you're okay, and you might say, well, Pastor, I really, I, you know, I don't have any problems with anybody in my life. Um, I've forgiven people in my life. I don't really have any problems with people right now. Well, let me, let me tell you why that's not true. Let me tell you why that's not true. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Let me give you the word picture here. Anger and bitterness are pictured as a root. 
See, if you uh, love to do yard work, it's really hard. I mean, how many have been mowing your, your grass twice a week now? Who, who thought in August with all the rain we've got? So with that comes a lot of weeds. And if you don't like weeds in your yard, you're going to have a big problem this summer. And the only way you get the, the weeds out is by the root. You can mow over and it looks nice for a day, but the root comes back up. And all of us, to some extent, struggle with bitterness. Here's how I know. You might not think you have a problem with someone until their name is mentioned. You may forget about it for a while, and all of a sudden their name is mentioned. And you may, you may think you are over something that happened to you years ago, and you might have trouble letting it go because you keep thinking about it and thinking about it. And once that thing gets brought up, it triggers you again. And all of a sudden you're like, man, why do I feel that? Why am I angry again? And and this is what this verse is about. It's a root. It's deep down in your soul. Bitterness, if not dealt with, will harbor in your soul. It will harbor there. And when that person's name maybe is mentioned or a situation that's mentioned, all of a sudden that thing gets dragged up again. And it can easily cause us to become cynical. It shows um, really that we've not truly offered forgiveness. If we have a opportunity to talk about that situation or that person with someone else and they say oh well let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you all of a sudden we can see that there's something going on in our spirit that there's that root of bitterness it's simmering waiting to be turned up when something is triggered in in our minds and my flesh wants the other person to hurt and we can do all sorts of things to try to deal with our hurt And see, what we want, when the root of bitterness is there, we haven't forgiven. We want the other person to hurt and to pay. It can be through being cold or passive aggressive or talking about that person to other people. Or just, you can just say, well, you know what? I'm going to get back at them and I'm just going to unfriend them on Facebook. There you go. I got back at you, right? That'll teach you. See, we falsely believe that when we see them suffer or hurt, it will make us feel better. Now, it might make you feel better, but for all the wrong reasons. See, what happens is that your bitterness is actually controlling you. And this is what can easily disintegrate the unity in the body of Christ if we're not careful with this root of bitterness. It's not setting you free. And you'll never find peace. See, making the other person pay will only infect you. And you'll become like the wrong that's happened to you. This ought not be in the church of Jesus Christ. So the question is, how should we respond? How should we respond to offenses or when I've been hurt or if I've hurt someone else? How do we respond? What's the correct way to respond to keep the integrity of unity within the body of Christ? We need to respond with the gospel only by understanding what Jesus Christ did for us and what he did for us on the cross, denying ourselves, can we respond correctly? And that's, that's what Paul's saying. Forgive, forgive, just as Christ forgave you. It's an act of grace on our part to do that, even when someone doesn't deserve it. Only by understanding what Jesus did for us on the cross and denying ourselves can we respond correctly. Jesus chose to give his life for us when we didn't deserve it. So I make a conscious choice not to hurt back. 
Jesus hanging on the cross, could he have yelled out curses to everyone? Very easily. Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. I make a a conscious choice not to hurt back. So if I'm in a conversation with somebody and that person's name gets brought up and they've done something to me or I'm hurt or whatever, a family member, whether you're at work or maybe it's work gossip or it's family, whatever it might be, we as followers of Jesus Christ make a conscious choice not to participate not to add fuel to the fire. So when we see them doing well, inside you're like, right? Let's just be, come on, can we be honest? We see them doing well and it makes you angry. You choose, we choose not to say anything. In fact, As followers of Jesus Christ, we do the opposite. We do the opposite by blessing and not cursing. Tim Keller makes this great point, and when I heard this, it smacked me right in the face. He says, every time you bless and you don't curse, or you don't add fuel to the fire, or you don't add your opinion, or you don't sabotage that person's character behind their back, every time that you do that, what you are doing is you are absorbing their debt that was placed on you. Do you get that? This is so good. You're absorbing their debt upon yourself. What you're doing is you're denying yourself and you're laying your rights down that you could do in the world by saying, look at all they did. But instead, what did Jesus do for us on the cross? He absorbed our debt. Do you get it? I didn't deserve it. And when I understand that Jesus absorbed my debt and my sin when I didn't deserve it, how can I not be someone who offers forgiveness now in grace? That's what keeps and protects the unity of the church. You are absorbing the debt that the that was placed on you. You want them to pay, but you are freely, freely giving yourself to the Lord. You're freeing yourself from bitterness by refusing to hurt back. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. Because what you're doing is you're denying yourself to serve Christ. And every single time I do that, the root of bitterness that was entwined in my heart begins to dissipate. And over time, it will lose grip on your heart. And some of you, you've been holding on to things for years. And it's dictating the way you live your life. Take responsibility. Take it away and stop blaming, blaming, blaming. Take the responsibility for yourself. And say, God, I have to do what Jesus did and I'm going to offer forgiveness. Whether it's in my heart or I go to that person, whatever it is. And over time, it will lose its grip on your heart. So what we do as believers is we bless. We bless. We bless. We bless. Paul said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Blessing someone kills the root of bitterness in my heart. Well, how, Pastor? 
Pastor, you don't understand my situation. My, my situation is different. Don't we all have situations? We all do. We all have situations, things that we've done, things that were done to us. We all have situations. But unless we juxtapose that to the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us, we're going to make up what we think we should do or not do or what type of forgiveness we should give or not give or whether or not that person deserves it or doesn't deserve it. Doesn't work that way. Jesus' suffering for us gives us the ability to walk in grace and not bitterness. We can now choose in Christ Jesus to show grace and forgiveness when otherwise I could never do that unless I understand what Jesus did for me. So as the people of God, let's do the opposite. Let's be a people of grace. And once again, that doesn't mean we just overlook everything and sin and, oh, whatever you want to do. No, that's not what I'm taught. Please don't misunderstand me. We need to speak into each other's lives. We need to speak truth into each other's lives. But let's do it with grace and love and honor Christ so that we can do everything possible to protect the unity of Christ and our church. So let me just give you one practical thing. When you have ought with someone, don't talk to somebody else about it. Don't feel, talk to the person. Don't talk about people, talk to people. Capiche? It's Bob Goff, by the way. But anyway, that, I love that. If you've read any of his books. Talk to people, not about people. Because it's so much easier to talk about people, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so true. You go, girl. Right? You know, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't help anything. What it does is, right, it breaks down the unity. Talk to people. Let's be a people that show grace. So my question to you is this. Who are you struggling to show grace to? What are you struggling with today? Is there something in your heart that you know is there and you've been struggling with it? Allow Christ and his spirit to overwhelm you so he can entangle that root that has been entwined around your heart that's keeping you from walking in Christ the way he desires you to walk in him and offer that forgiveness. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with it. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted to speak down, to speak about. But make this choice in your mind. Jesus, is this honoring you? Is this helping the unity of the body of Christ? Or am I doing the opposite? Just think of that. And lay your rights down at the foot of the cross. And Christ will be exalted in your life. And Christ will be honored in our church. Let's do everything possible that we don't give a foothold or an open door for the enemy to to just train wreck the good things that God is doing in our midst. Let's protect that with everything possible by glorifying Christ 
in our lives. Amen? And then like what Tertullian said, the world's going to take notice. Look at how they love one another. Look at how they protect the unity. Look at how they work through relationships. That's glorifying Christ in our midst. Amen? Let's be that people. Let's be that people. Father God, we all struggle with bitterness. We struggle with offenses. We all struggle with it. Every single one of us. We struggle with being misunderstood. We've done things. We've said things to people that have uh, hurt or harmed relationships. Things that have been said to us that have hurt, hurt or harmed relationships. Father God, I just pray for us here today that God, we would be a people that would do everything possible to protect what you're doing in our midst. And it comes through relationships. And there are going to be times that we're not going to see eye to eye. But Lord, how are we at reconciliation? Is that what we're striving for or just wanting to be right? Help us to put relationships where they need to be and to work through it in love so that we keep the integrity of the body of Christ intact. Help us with that, Lord. I thank you, God, that lives are messy, that, that there are going to be times where we disagree. But Lord, how do we work through that in love? That's when we truly know that we're growing in you, that you're doing something unique in our midst is how we work through it. Help us with that, God. And if there's anything that's deep in our hearts, any root of bitterness that is there, Lord, God, help us to yank that out so it doesn't keep us from fully serving you the way you desire us to serve you, Lord. So I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you poured out on us when we least deserved it. Help us to be the same in our relationships here at church and the relationships that we see in the world. May the world stand up and see that we are different so that Christ can receive all the glory. So we love you. We thank you for your patience with us, God. You're such a good God. Perfect Savior that we serve. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're just going to sing a beautiful song in closing. And uh, let's just sing it unto him. God bless you.